Welcome to Pete's Property Podcast, brought to you by Buyers Buyers and hosted by Pete Wargent, buyers agent, finance and real estate expert, and all-round property guru, plus published author. Join Pete for 30 minutes as he chats all things property with a new guest each week. Learn practical tips from the movers and shakers in the property industry and well-known personalities sharing their property journeys. G'day, welcome to this week's episode of the Pete Wargent Property Pod. I'm thrilled to have Kate Bakos back on the podcast this week, founder of Kate Bakos Property, also well known as the president of the Real Estate Buyers Agency Association of Australia, or REBA, which is less of a mouthful. Kate, thank you so much for coming back on. Oh, always a pleasure, Pete. I love a chat with you. I've been reading lots of stuff in the media about what's been happening in terms of um, sentiment and then what's going to happen with interest rates and lots of theoretical discussion about um, changes in borrowing capacity and lots of numbers being thrown around. But then I keep uh, logging on in uh, weekends and so on, and the numbers for Melbourne, uh, if anything, the, the sentiment seems to have firmed up a little bit. And I thought, you know what, I'll go straight to the source and find out what's really going on. So let's talk about some of those things. So obviously, well, let's start from the top. Obviously, this year, uh, sentiment has not been the same as last year. And we ha- we basically had a buying frenzy about a, a year ago. Yeah. And things have calmed down a bit. So what are, what are buyers saying to you about how they feel in the current market? It's a really interesting question because there was a fair amount of fear for those that had never experienced an increase to their interest rate. So we're talking about anyone who's either only been active in the market for 11 years or someone who's just started to become active in the market. Everyone else, you and me, everyone that's experienced interest rate movement, they're not so bothered by it. And to compound that, we've had bad negative you know, news stories, lots and lots of consistent news feeds saying the market's about to fall, it's about to fall, it's about to fall. I think if you say that for long enough and it doesn't fall, and I'm, I'm talking colossal falls, not, not a 2 or 3% adjustment, people start to fatigue with all that stuff. They, they stop being so reactionary to it. They stop trying to read the tea leaves and, and waiting for that horrible crash. So the first thing is that a lot of people who might have been waiting for the bell or wanting to buy opportunistically, it hasn't correlated with what the, the papers have been claiming. You and I could both agree to that point. It certainly hasn't been colossal in our market. I think I've seen a little bit more maybe in Sydney and maybe particularly places like the the northern beaches or some of the premium suburbs in, in the east. But then yeah. I guess in the context of coming off the back of a 50%, 60% boom in many cases, so yeah. a 10 or 15% decline, maybe not that surprising in that context. But, I mean, I'm just – we're recording this on uh, on a Monday, early October, so CoreLogic has just reported monthly housing prices. I'm, I'm just looking at Melbourne. Across the board, it looks like house prices down maybe – six percent from the peak and unit prices maybe about three i mean is that is that in the ballpark of what you're seeing yeah it is we've got a a bit of a two-speed market it has segmented itself a bit more and you often get that in a a market that adjusts like ours have when you come off you know the crazy heightened conditions where fomo is how you describe buyer activity and then all of a sudden they're looking to buy opportunistically or they're fearful and I've got a saying for Barbo fear of buying before a better option so you know this looks really good but if I wait I might get something better you see a lot of that kind of buyer behavior and 
Melbourne, you know, we, we really had a tough time navigating all of that FOMO stuff last year because it was so stop-start. We weren't just fighting other buyers. We were fighting windows to get out there and actually see property and buy it. Those days are not long forgotten. They were horrible things to try and navigate. But the long and short of it is that we've we've now got a, a market that's, you know, some of them are a little bit jittery, but I say it's a two-speed market because in a market with cooling conditions, buyers start getting choosy. They start applying scrutiny and not forgiving a property with a fundamental flaw or a low scorecard. And so we've now got high scorecard properties, so A-grade properties, doing really well. You can still fight others at auction for those. And I've missed a few auctions in the last month. You might be surprised to hear that. And then you get your B-grade properties or worse still your C or your D-grade properties. They're not as forgivable as they were last year. Buyers are really applying scrutiny and not being prepared to fight for them or they're sitting back waiting for them to to exhibit price drops before they get serious about them and unfortunately the days on market for an a-grade property versus a b-grade have really pushed out there's such a differential now and days on market's a really good indicator of desirability yeah i mean uh, one of the things i've noticed over i suppose observing real estate prices over 25 years or so is that there's always something that's going to crash the market if it's uh, if it's not a recession then it's going to be a pandemic or before that the banking world commission and then it was interest only loans there is always something even going back to the the early 90s recession and the asian currency crisis at the moment it's all about interest rates but then look on the other side of the equation yeah. and we've got the lowest unemployment rate in guess half a century and and you can really see I'm actually down in Melbourne this week as you know people are actually coming back into the country stuff's getting busy and rental vacancies Mm. are really low and falling one of the things I noticed uh, Kate in the CoreLogic figures is that actually listings have fallen quite a bit Um, not just new listings but the total number of listings on the market which I assume means uh, vendors have decided well I don't need to sell so why should I and there's very few forced sellers out there with rents increasing and most well everyone who needs a job or wants a job has got one what are you seeing in terms of the availability of stock in melbourne is it is it relatively tight it is tight and we're we're in a period right now pete where we're used to getting smashed with you know a tsunami of stock at this time and i've been saying to all of my clients who are screaming for stock i'll wait till the footy's out of the way that week that we come back after the grand final, we'll get all of those late spring listings that we all love to look forward to. And you've got to think about the life cycle of a campaign. Your standard auction campaign is three to five weeks, typically four. So if we're looking at at what's coming on for early November, we'd expect to see it now in October. And I'm going through my newsfeed. There's a bit more stock than there was in winter. We haven't got nearly as much stock as we typically have in a spring season certainly put a floor under price falls in my view and combined with the introduction of new arrivals who have money and many of whom will seek you know roof over their heads and if they can't rent they they potentially will just jump in and buy when they would have preferred to rent before they buy and as you said we've got a lot of people who are employed we can compare this to other challenges associated with securing property or buying property you mentioned you know gfc pandemic credit crunch all of those things right now The only thing that's holding people back is actually sentiment because we do have good credit supply and many people can still buy, borrow and buy what they wanted to. In fact, it's a smaller percentage than many think that are now being hindered by a decrease in their borrowing capacity. 
And if you t- chat to guys like, you know, Chris Bates, he had he put up some really good information and had a bit of a, a bar chart on the breakdown of buyers who stretch to their maximum borrowings versus those who don't need to or don't want to. And it's it's a surprisingly smaller number than we would have thought. And as an advocate, I, I deal with a great cross-section of people from first-home buyers to downsizers to people putting uh, much older parents into you know, single-level dwelling before it's time for a, a nursing home. And I get the full cross-section and, and not many are hampered by borrowing capacity. Even investors, you know, there are a few that might have had their investment budget come off, but not too many. Yeah, that was certainly, that was the one thing that really caught my eye from the CoreLogic numbers uh, today as we record. I thought, well, look, if people are rushing for the exits, then yeah, sure, that's going to catalyse some price declines. But it seems to be the opposite. There's actually a big dive in the number of people listing, completely the opposite of what you'd expect, I guess, for this time of year. Yeah. And I think we, we might just edit well, out. Uh, we, we might just Sorry, edit out any reference to the grand final result because that was a, a one-sided whooping for Sydney. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, I think, how um, good was it though? I'm a cat supporter. <laughs> oh, God. Right. It was all, all over after 20 minutes. So at the time of recording, Kate, the interest rates are probably going to go up 50 basis points tomorrow. And you, you preempted my next question on borrowing capacity. So some people are saying, well, look, you know, when interest rates were zero, Borrowing capacity was X, but now cash rate goes towards 3%. Borrowing capacity is down, say, 20 25%. And therefore, prices have to fall by 20 to 25%. But as you said, that is going to affect some borrowers, but actually probably not, certainly not the downsizers, the upgraders, maybe an impact on some first-time buyers. But do you have any clients who are actually looking to make use of their borrowing capacity before it actually declines in the context of a a rising interest rate environment? Yes, I do. They're the ones that are impacted. You know, their their ability to stretch is being restricted with every rate increase and they're well aware of it. They're usually people that are, you know, really plugged into their strategic mortgage broker and know what the the impact of that rate increase at whether it be 25, 50, 75 basis points, they're well aware of, of what that translates into. And so they're working against the clock because that's them saying, even though the lender will restrict us, we we know that we're good for it and we'd really like to get in before the next increase. I see a bit of that. But again, it's a minority group and it's typically, it might be first home buyers, but I want to chat about them in a bit more detail with you shortly. It's usually upgraders who are throwing everything they can in a very competitive environment at getting the family home and getting as much bang for their buck as they can. And they know that they're in the primal, the early stages of their career. They haven't haven't necessarily reached their max in terms of salary growth and salary expectations. And so they're willing to stretch and push it because they know that this is their 15, 20-year home. So that's typically the contingent that are saying, look, we, we want to move sooner rather than later. We're aware of what interest rate increases do. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I remember uh, when I was buying in my late, 20s and thinking well, I'm just going to borrow as much as I can because I'm obviously in a you know relatively speaking in the early stages of my career and I expect to earn more down the track so it does kind of make sense to stretch yourself then um got a, a coffee or I should say a couple of copies with a good friend of ours uh, Peter Caraglanis from Presenting Homes Australia this morning interesting chat we um we keep seeing these articles in the media and uh, there was one just this weekend of a a really beautifully presented character home in West Footscray, and it was uh, sold for 
I think 130 over expectation, probably nearer 200 mm-hmm. over expectation. And obviously, you know, you mentioned that some of the sort of B grade and less desirable properties probably aren't getting those kind of results. But I suppose the thing is, in an auction environment, you already alluded to it, you only really need two bidders to get interested in a property. Is, it, is that kind of what you're seeing in terms of the, you mentioned like the sort of two speed or bifurcation of the market is it is it really just the stuff that ticks all the boxes for want of a better phrase that's doing well yeah it is i could list them off especially now that we've got a supply chain issue and stock shortage for building materials and more expensive trades and longer wait times i could really list it now and it's it's quite cookie cut so something that's renovated no immediate work to be done orientation counts for everything people want natural light the street itself, is it a pretty street? Is it a noisy street? Is there anything not so great on the street? And definitely amenity, you know, is it near shops, schools, stations, all the things that whatever that demographic are hunting for, is it there? And then, of course, you've got the right proportions. So it's no good having a four-bed, two-bath house with a teeny tiny courtyard in a family area. If you've got a four-bed, two-bath house in a family-friendly area, you want a big backyard as well. So when it's got all of those things, you know, tick, 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 that's when people get excited and that's when they'll stretch. And something that COVID's left us, and I think it's here to stay for quite a while, if not forever, is everyone's just added plus one on their bedroom count because we're working from home, especially in white-collar professional areas. We've really become adept at working from home and we're, we're commanding the spaces to be able to do that. So take an area like, for example, West Footscray that you just cited. Its uh, history is very industrial and and um, and not white collar. It's an area that's gentrified in Arena West and there are many like it. Although you get some decent sized blocks in West Footscray, in the suburbs surrounding it, they're generally little blocks, little working class cottages and stuff like that. So try and put a four bed, two bath family home with a backyard on something like that. It generally implies that it's been beautifully designed and really well built so that you can attract local families who are getting everything on their wish list. Do you want to save on buyer's agent fees? You could save thousands with Buyer's Buyers. As Australia's most extensive network of buyer's agents, we can lock in highly competitive prices. Plus, our national network of buyer's agents are some of the best in the business. So get the buyer's buyer's advantage and talk to us today. Call 1-800-975-051 or visit buyersbuyers.com.au. One of my podcast guests, um, Steve Sammartino, who's a futurist, uh, mentioned, he said that offices are becoming a little bit more like homes, but definitely homes are becoming more like offices. And having having that extra bedroom as an office space or a double-use um, space uh, with the appropriate connection and lighting and all that kind of stuff. I and mean, we're recording a podcast now. You know, if you've got that kind of ability to use a space, that's obviously going to be really useful. Um, now, uh, one of the uh, things I was reading again today from CoreLogic is that they think that the, the housing market is about, uh, I think they said 4.8% off the pandemic highs but they said there's a fair chance that the market could simply bottom out in the first quarter of next year because the inflation uh, pulse while it's still with us is kind of lost a bit of momentum over recent months and therefore interest rates will probably top out at some point so what's the i'm not going to ask you to call the dates that the market's going to bottom out or anything like that but certainly i've seen that auctions seem to be clearing in melbourne 
Um, as you mentioned, better than they were a few months ago, bounced off the lows. We do know there's a, a vast amount of intergenerational uh, wealth in Sydney and Melbourne. But what's the what's the general vibe down there? Are people still sort of twitchy about the interest rate environment or um, are people starting to take a look at bargains? We've got some twitchy people that might not do anything. And typically when someone's so nervous they're waiting for a bell, they'll usually miss it. So we might see a flood of first-time buyers are all nervous and sitting on their hands, you know, hit us next year. I'm happy to to say what I think and I've been accused of being a Pollyanna before so I'll wear that because I am an optimist. But I'm looking at the conditions that, that we're navigating right now in Melbourne. Where do I think this is headed? Well, with the numbers, you alluded to stock levels being down before and it's very true. If they remain subdued, and if we do have new arrivals, I don't think that our market will wait as long as next year to bottom out. I think that it will be a, a very subtle shift. It's unlike how we navigated COVID and we applied all of those rate cuts and all of a sudden hordes of people were buying. Um, this is slower. It's more subtle. But as you said, people are waiting for the for the bell to ring and at the moment it's all to do with how we feel about the rate of interest rate increase. It's not actually really about the direct effect of interest rate increases, it's about how we feel. Sentiment is what's driving people's hands right now. We only need to reach that equilibrium where within the RBA it says, yeah, this is where we wanted to get it to and we're, we're satisfied now that we've, we've tackled inflation properly and we might see it pull back. But either way, when people start to see that we're getting closer to our, our target band, that's when I think we'll see people jump back in. And I, I fear that that will correlate with low stock levels and new arrivals. If that's the case, then I, I think it will be very hard to time that market. But I, I believe that it could be later this year if the stock levels stay low. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit reminiscent of with the stock market when the pandemic hit and uh, there were no vaccines. Then we had lockdowns and everyone was thinking, well, what the hell's going on? And in March 2020, uh, the market was down, I don't know, 35 plus percent. And a lot of people were saying, well, look, I'm, I'm just going to wait until the coast is clear, you know, wait until things are a bit clearer. There's a bit more certainty. But of course, you know, the Fed started stimulating and then the market rebounded very, very quickly. And it was only once prices had really recovered that people started, uh, certainly the retail investors wanted to start getting back in. And it's very often the same in property, is that when the market's falling and you can negotiate well on good quality properties, it's uh, people aren't very keen to do it. And of course, as soon as everyone comes back in, it's Mm -hmm. everyone out together, everyone back in together. Uh, Kate, one of the questions... I'm sure I've asked you this before, but when I come to Melbourne, I'm looking, I often stay at South Bank or in the city, and there's some very relatively cheap-looking units and apartments around the place. I guess historically, house prices have outperformed units in Melbourne. I I guess renters tend to think more towards the units. But are there any good sort of uh, opportunities in the apartment space, maybe what, three-bedders or in some of the the Paris end of the CBD or anything like that? When I first had people asking me about buying nice CBD apartments, you know, big ones, or South Bank. I even had someone talk to me about Docklands. And if you, you get your your building right and your, your vista and your floor plan right, there are some really nice apartments all around the place. And at first I was, I was a little bit nervous and said, talk me through what you're thinking. Because to give context, I, don't, I haven't typically had a lot of clients in the past that have bought 
high-rise apartments in the city. It, it's not really, unlike a lot of other cities, that's not really a Melbourneian move, especially for capital growth. And I had this really smart repeat couple who said to me, no, we, we think that there'll be a, a bounce back and it will favour the apartments because they've really come off, especially through lockdown. They came right off because you couldn't rent them. Uh, they got in early and I think they did very well. And since then, instead of having like one a year, I've already had nearly 10 this year, people that have been buying high-rise in the city. And some of them are looking at it from a lifestyle point of view, but most of them, it's a secondary dwelling because they did the big move. They moved to the Macedon Ranges or down the coast or up to the Murray or whatever, and they've decided, okay, well, I might buy a little pad in the city. Melbourne's back. The city was really sad last year, but it's definitely back now. Yeah, you're certainly right. I was in town on uh, Sunday and, um, it, I mean, I remember when cities used to be quiet on weekends, it was absolutely packed with people down Burke Street and Flinders Street. So uh, final question, Kate, um, you've mentioned first-time buyers before. You've got first-time yeah. buyers who are looking to be counter-cyclical and to buy the dip. What sort of advice would you have for them? Counter-cyclical buying is exciting but you've got to have a strategy behind it and you can't be looking at it with the the frame of mind that that if you don't get a bargain you know a really nasty bargain then you're not you're not buying well oh that's actually the way I look at it and and it was a stunning brick freestanding single-fronted Victorian three-bedroom really beautiful property in Clifton Hill and the agent said something to me a week prior when I inspected it. And it was really insightful. You know, everyone's asking each other what they think of the market. And he he asked me and I said to him, well, you know, good stuff's still selling. It's just, it's a really interesting marketplace that we're navigating. And he said, I love markets like this because you can buy quality property for a good price. What he wasn't saying was quality property for a nasty bargain, but you don't have to fight over it and pay a premium to get it. In a really tough market, when you go for, you know, an evergreen blue chip popular property, you know you'll have buyers advocates and rich buyers all nipping at your at your ankles, and you've you've got to prepare your client for missing it. Well, I bid on this property, and it passed into me. And in this kind of market, a passing doesn't mean that it's a dud property. It means you got lucky. And I'd say to buyers out there that are wanting to take advantage of the conditions. Don't um, lull yourself into a, a false sense of security by assuming that you've got to get a tough bargain to have nailed it. Buy a really high-quality property and be pleased you didn't have to pay premium and fight people off for it. Yeah, and factor in a buffer, I guess, because uh, we don't yet know where the terminal rate will be for this cycle in terms of the cash rates and therefore mortgage rates. But um, I, I can certainly testify to the population pressures that are building in Melbourne. I think some people may be coming back from some of the regions, some people in crash pads, and obviously you can see the students coming back, tourists are coming in, and uh, eventually I guess we'll get backpackers if the flight costs ever come down. So I think it's going to be a a huge uh, two or three years for Melbourne population growth ahead, and uh, already rental markets getting chronically tight in some parts of the, uh, the city. Kate, where should people go to for more if they want to find out about Kate Bakos property or your Sunday blog and all the rest of it. Oh, thanks, Pete. If you just Google Kate Bakos property or Kate Bakos blog, my name is Kate with a C. So that 
that certainly helps me with the SEO, but they can find me on my website and I know you kindly share my Sunday blog on one of your sites as well. And yeah, I, I do it obviously every Sunday. Love to share what's going on and like to talk to people about what I'm experiencing at the coalface. Sometimes it it really is a good indicator. Uh, Kate, thank you so much for coming on. I think um must be time for us to go and grab a drink and a pizza, go and have a, a real estate gossip. So uh, looking forward to enjoying uh, some Melbourne sunshine and uh, also looking forward to chatting again soon on the pod. Thanks so much, Pete. It's been great to join you. Thanks for listening to Pete's Property Podcast, powered by Buyers Buyers. Don't forget to subscribe and join us next time as Pete chats all things property with a new guest. And just a reminder that the information provided in this podcast is general advice only and doesn't take into account your personal financial situation or needs. You should always consult a licensed professional to discuss your individual personal circumstances.